All right, welcome back. Uh, it's episode 47 of Racing News. Uh, we're recording this on a very warm and lovely Sunday afternoon, Kyle. It definitely feels like, well, the season is broken, hasn't it? We've Winter is finished, hasn't it, surely now? We're into the spring and summer months. What I felt like we got that last little that last little taste of it this week. We had those nice, cool mornings. And I, yeah. I remember saying to the guys at the time, we've got to enjoy this because <clears throat> it is not long. And it will be really hot, so we have got that in full force already. So I don't know if we're going to get – sometimes we get those little reprieve weeks. It's just like this little taster and then it gets cool again. But I don't know. I think we could be on the downhill slope to summer now. Absolutely. And I think we, we, we're going to cover that a little bit in the races we're going to talk about because we had some big races last weekend and they seem to get a bit of a cooler weekend for it. And then um, Glasshouse 100 up on the sunny coast, that must have been oppressively hot in the middle of the day. So, um, yeah, racing from this point on is definitely going to be a, a different approach to training maybe um, into how we actually train in these these weeks coming up. But, Kyle, in this episode, we've got a bumper episode. There's some massive races, some, some of the biggest races, I think, on our calendar for the year. Um, we're going to talk Coastal High. Obviously, that was last weekend. We're going to talk the, uh, the Glasshouse 100, which happened uh, over the last couple of days. Um, we're also going to go through uh, a little bit of racing from Yapoon because a few Gold Coast athletes went up there. We'll go around Parkrun as well. We'll get to uh, the Summer Goats 5.0, which is, well, it, it's it's percolating now, Kyle. It's just starting to heat up a little bit. A few times put down a couple of names that are absent at the moment. Um, and we're getting close to that halfway mark for the bonus points. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, there's a few big things happening on the Goat Loop in the next couple of or next month so we'll get across that as well so there's going to be lots to talk about but um Kyle hit us first of all with a bit of an overview for of, of your fortnight because you've had a couple of good sessions in there some some longer sort of tempo um intervals as well I saw on your program a bit so what's been happening yeah well I'm gonna start because we recorded two weeks ago on the Sunday afternoon and straight after we finished yep. we headed down to the grass athletics track at Runaway Bay to meet the Norths Club, we were doing mm. our fun, I'll put that in quotation marks, fun track event, Yep. which I thought, oh, this will be good. You know, we'll get in for a nice social run, run a few laps. This will be great. Um, I thought, you know, we had done a 30K long run that morning, but oh, it'll be right. It's a few laps of the track. This will that's be ex- fun. That's excuse number one. Yep. That's good. excuse number one. <laughs> and then, so for people that don't know what we were doing, so do you want to run them through, Tom, yep. what the, the concept of this run was? So it sounds like anything. It sounds very easy on paper. Um, it sounds even more fun if you're the one organising it and not having to run it, which was my role. So basically, you get a group of friends together, whether it's a club or whether it's a, a training group. Um, you put it in the afternoon so people can do their long run like you did in the morning, Kyle. So they can use that as a nice handy excuse. But basically, you line everyone up on the track and you have five races uh, and you five or six races. You choose the distances, but we went with um, 200, 400, 600, 800, and a thousand meters. And you put those races into a hat, um, and just like you would do like a like a raffle or a random draw, you pull out one of the races. Uh, none of the people who are running the race actually know what the race is, except the two people who are organising. So me being the starter, and then uh, Jeremy, he helped me out, um, being the finish recorder as well. So let's say if, well, I'll go through it. First of all, so we had 200, 400, 600, 800, 1,000 metres. Unluckily for the runners, a thousand meters came out first. So basically, what happens is that the runners go, and they have no idea which of those five races they're doing. And as um, ill fate for them, it was a thousand meters. So I blew a whistle with a hundred meters to go at the nine hundred meter mark. So that's the idea. The runners only know the distance with a hundred meters to go. Um, so I think the order that we went wasn't it, it was a thousand meters first, 
and then there was the 600 meters and i think yep. then we went 400, 400. and, and we, then yeah because at that point we're standing on the yeah. oh we're standing on the start line so and this was the cruel bit about that thousand meters i reckon that was the hardest kilometer i've ever run in my life because we surged yeah. at 100 meters thinking it might be 200 we surged at 300 500 and 700 yeah both times so and they weren't just surges they were all out sprints to try and get yeah. the best position and then you had to keep going again and then surge again in a couple of hundred meters and of course it was the thousand meters. So that was yeah. probably the hardest the hardest run ever. But and it wasn't it wasn't a great way to so welcome you guys and girls no, into the program because no one had done this before. And so I think people were a little bit scared. And I thought, what's the worst that could happen? And then the worst happened, we drew the thousand meters. And like you said, it was amazing to watch because yeah, everyone would surge, particularly the front runners, they would surge with on each of kind of like with a hundred meters to go for the amount the amount that they thought it was gonna be. So it like you said, it, it wasn't an evenly paced thousand meters or it wasn't an evenly paced 800 or 600 or whatever it was surge up and down up and down so it would have been absolute hell to run on plus it, it was, was on a sunday afternoon plus it was on a grass track plus it was you were a racing soft grass to, track yeah oh you were racing goodness, to people younger than you thing. as well that's it so we had young zach cachola there who was wearing spikes or flats i don't know what he was in and i thought oh we're yeah. in trouble here so he pretty much towed us up on every single race but then we stood on the start line with two races to go and it was either the 200 or the 800 Yep. And I, I didn't know which one I wanted because I thought if we take off here and risk that it's the 200 in the sprint and it's the 800, that's a long way to hang on after sprinting yep. for 100 metres. So we got lucky there and it was the 200 second last. But then we also knew that we had to finish with an 800 then, which was horrible, which was then handicapped. Yep. I think that was a last minute decision right, to, to handicap the, the last race. And yeah, it, was, yeah, it um, was hard. That was absolutely cruel. But it's one of those things, isn't it? That's that's enjoyable to do. It's a little bit different, I guess. Like the beer mile is a bit different, and this kind of activity is a bit different as well. And it looks so easy on paper. The original idea I got was from reading a book uh, by Becky Wade, who went all over the world and she went to different running clubs, um, and she found out different ideas. And I think the the original one that she did in Switzerland, they had four races that were two hundred and fifty meters long, three races that were five hundred meters, two races that were seven fifty, and one race that was a thousand. And after she did it, she said the only problem it was it was that. Because there were four races of 250 metres of length, it actually lended itself more to like a track, you know, sprint, not sprinter, but track middle distance runner than someone who had a bit more endurance. So I guess, yeah, if you do it with your running club, just choose the distances. Don't do anything, I'd say, over a 1,000. Um, and, uh, yeah, my only advice is organise it, don't run it, because that's the way to do it, Just because then you just get to watch it unfold. We've all learned that. We've all learned that, absolutely learned yeah. that. I will not be doing that again. But, anyway, that was how my fortnight finished after the last episode. Yes. So that ended up being quite a big day of training in the end yeah. after the long run in the morning. Um, but got through that. And then I suppose the last two weeks, the last two weeks have been good. We did, I think we did a couple. We had a fairly easy, well, I don't think it was easy. I didn't know what we did. On the Tuesday. And I remember that was one of the more humid mornings. And we ended up pulling that session a little bit short just because everyone was just feeling like we we're working a bit hard and it was quite humid. So we cut that session a little bit short, which was a good decision in the end because everyone finished feeling okay. Um, and then so Thursday, uh, Friday, we did a 30-minute progression. And we this was one of the first times that we almost all got to be there. Though the, you know, we have a few that normally come to these runs. We all actually got there together. So this was the morning that we got our little – boy band photo with Rennie before the start that then went up on social media. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we had a good laugh afterwards because so Chris, who was there, he slept through his alarm. So he missed half the warm up, And because we only saw him at the end of the warm up, didn't realize he had a headband on. I thought, God, I haven't seen anyone except for Adzi running around in a headband. Yeah. We only noticed it. I only noticed it about a week later when I went back and looked at the photo. So 
we gave we gave Chris a bit of crap for running in a headband, but he ran well, so it obviously <laughs> works for him, which was good. And he raced today, and he didn't wear a headband, so I was a bit disappointed with that. But anyway, that was that was our progression run on the Friday, which was good. Sunday's run, I did a long run, and I definitely wore a t-shirt, as everyone probably saw on social media. That was a definite decision making, just to prove that I do run in shirts quite often, and that was just me proving a point. So. I was very glad to get that run done. So long run in the T-shirt. And I also wore a T-shirt this morning. So we can put that one up there as well, which was good. Uh, what else did we do? This week we did we did a session on Friday. And this was just Luke and I because the others were heading up to Yapoon to race. And we did six 800s and four 400s. And even when I say, I was like, oh, this one, this one looks hard. Like it even looks on paper, it looks, it looks terrible. Yeah. And it was one of those sessions that, it was, I didn't feel, neither of us felt amazing, but we ran really good splits. It was a weird one that was just felt like we were just ticking the session off. Like nothing felt mm. like it was flowing that smoothly, but it didn't feel terrible. But we ticked off some some really good splits. And I think we both finished and went, oh, that was actually surprisingly good considering we didn't feel, didn't feel amazing. And the reason that we did that session um, is we both decided to race next, well, this coming weekend, um, the Queensland 10,000 metre championships are on again up in Brisbane on Ooh, Saturday yes. afternoon. Yeah. So we're going to, and we're going to hope that this year Luke finds himself in the, in the actual B race and not in the community race. Like he stuffed up last year and wasn't actually able to run. <laughs> wasn't actually able win, to win. Look, I did go back and have a look at the results the other day. Cause I was, trying, I was trying to remember that race and I'm pretty sure he won that race by about eight or nine minutes in that one. <laughs> <laughs> and it was also yeah. funny. That was the day after they announced the shoe rule on the track that you can't run in the shoe with more than yep. a 25 mil heel. And Luke, we thought that they were going to enforce that and not actually let you run. So Luke had gone to Harbour Town, picked up a pair of flats. So he ran this yep. race that he wasn't supposed to run in the heat of the afternoon by himself in flats. And then later we realised that you were absolutely allowed to wear whatever shoes you want, wanted. You just yep. didn't get an official time. So not only did he get the wrong race, had to run by himself, had to run in the heat of the afternoon. He wore the wrong shoes. It just it didn't go well for him that day. So hopefully he what gets the right race. What time did you race on Saturday? Uh, 350 so right. it's going to be a bit warm, I would say, but we'll be up on the track at um, up at Cusack there on the nice blue track, I believe, awesome. up there. So at this oh, you're stage, inside the stadium or you're, or you're outside? I think, Which so. inside? I think, I think oh, wow. inside, but I don't know. I have no idea. I've never run up there, so I will find out when I get there, I suppose. I actually haven't entered yet, so I'm hoping the entries haven't closed because otherwise I won't be running up there. Um, <laughs> but at this stage, we're both we're both planning on heading up there and running, and I'm I'm hoping that they're still allowing that same shoe rule that we can wear whatever shoes yep. we want because I do not think my legs would survive ten kilometers in spikes or flats. No, but we'll see. We'll no. see. But yeah, that's where and, I'm at. The training's uh, so just been ticking along, yeah. but now last minute we've decided. We may as well. Do, I didn't even know this was on until a few days ago last week. So, mm. hence why we're doing a few. Well, that's good. What did, what, did you, what did you run last year? What was your time last year? Ran thirty-two fifty-six. So, and what did you run? You've run. Um, have you gone sub thirty-two now? No, no that's the fastest. That's the fastest I've run. That's okay. still that's right. still my PB. So, what did you do down at um, at Coolangatta for the lead up to the GC fifty last year? I think year? it was about the same, maybe a second or two yeah. slower. I think it was almost okay. identical to that, just under thirty three. So, I think the plan is we're going to try and run maybe mid thirty twos, which is about three fifteen. Yep. So we'll just see. 
we got to make sure we <laughs> you've got to put in what time you think you're going to run and then they allocate the a and the b race depending what time you put in so i'm tempted just to put a really slow time just so they put me in the b race because i do not want to be getting lapped three times by all <laughs> jacko squad and fast guys in brisbane yeah. on the track but oh that's exciting that's good so that's that's, that's unreal the, at this stage we finally got another race so Again, yeah. this year, I've done all my training on the road. All I've raced so far is trail, and now I'm going to head onto the track. So, don't know. Sounds like can't find any sounds like the way to do it. Yeah, it, I like think the it's the way to do it. it. But anyway, that's exciting. So that will be happening. Hopefully, given we can still race next weekend, <laughs> yep. we'll be racing next Saturday afternoon. Brilliant! Absolutely awesome. All right, let's get on to some uh, some some of the big races that have been happening. No, nothing, I guess, bigger than the Coastal High Fifty that we talked about. We did a bit of a preview. Um, in the last episode, which uh, led up to the Coastal High 50, uh, we went through the start list as it was on that particular day. But, um, Kyle, there was a couple of late entries, wasn't there? We got a, we got a message midweek, I think, from, uh, from Jack Gill, and he said he's, he's, he knows that Vincent Fletcher was out, and then he knew he had a couple of other names that entered, um, our good mate Ando, and then a couple of Ando's training mates, Josh Linnett um, and Eddie Keogh. From uh, from down south, close to the border, the Salt Train, the guys that run down there. Uh, actually, I think it's from the Salt Mill. I think that's where the name comes from, the Salt Train, they call themselves. So um, that certainly made it a lot more interesting because we know that those boys do a lot of racing, a lot of running, a lot of racing on the road. Um, and we know the calibre and the speed of those boys as well. And that was going to make it an absolutely fascinating day. And, Kyle, it didn't... It didn't um, it didn't fail to live up to expectation. It was an extraordinary race. Um I was I was blown away by just just watching it um, come through checkpoint three, but then having a bit of a chat to Jack Gill in the week, I didn't realise actually how much the positions changed in the mail race throughout the race itself. So, um, I mean, reception is pretty hard up there. So I was hoping to get some video up from checkpoint three, but I pretty much couldn't upload anything at all. But I had the good pleasure of running with Brad Ed in the morning, um, waking up extremely early as you have to for coastal, getting the bus, then getting up to Binnerborough, and then running through pretty much what ended up being the crunch course. Um, and just clearing a bit of lantana and stuff out not out of the way and the wait a while and stuff like that. So there was a little bit on the track which we had to move. Um, but the conditions were looked absolutely beautiful. It was a little bit slippery, a little bit muddy in patches. So I can only imagine for the mid pack and the back of the field, it would have been pretty messy, I think, by the end of it. But but yeah, great job by Steve and his crew to, to get the race on uh, in these conditions. And I don't know, it is an extraordinary race, a wonderful race that every single year seems to have a story. Last year. In the male race, it was the Courtney versus Vincent. Uh, and last year, it was um, Risha versus Haley, wasn't it, last year? So it, every single year, it lives up. So, um, Kyle, first of all, what are your – because I've gone through and studied the results in a bit of depth here. I had a bit of time yesterday um, yesterday morning. So I went through some results as they were. But what were your takeaways from the race itself? What 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 is it about Coastal that you love? Oh, it's <clears> – <throat> like you said, it's – there's always exciting stuff. And I think it's just – one, it's a beautiful race. I think that's the biggest thing is like just the course itself is beautiful. Everyone always enjoys it. Um, and no matter what's been happening, everyone kind of gets excited about it. it it's a similar mm-hmm. kind of thing to, I suppose, what we talk about UTA. It's one of those races that everyone yeah. kind of wants to be a part of, even if they're not racing, they'll try and get up to checkpoints like yourself and, and kind of be around there at the finish. So it's always got a bit of a buzz around it every year, no matter who's running. So it's mm-hmm. one of those ones that everyone kind of wants to win because everyone always wants to know who won Coastal High or who did well, or who yeah. what you know what happened, and everyone talks about it. So there's always always a good buzz, and it was one of those ones that I was kind of I was sitting at work, I was working Saturday morning, and just thinking, oh, I wish I was racing. Not that I've done anything to train for it, but again, missing <laughs> like just wanting to be part of it all. I felt like I was missing yeah. out on the morning on it, but 
it was exciting. So we knew that Josh and Eddie were running as well, Ando, um, Andrew Pierce, um, Joey, that whole kind of group were going to be running all of a sudden. I think they all entered fairly last minute. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, you know, I think they were both, they were going out to, I'd heard from someone that Josh had said he kind of wanted to go and try and win it. And from looking at the splits, mm. he went out pretty hard from the start. Um, yeah. And looking at like, you know, the check went through halfway. He had a decent five or six minute lead on pretty much everyone else back up at Bimbar yeah. at that checkpoint. So he went out really hard in that race. And yeah, it was interesting then again, like you said, we've, we've spoken to Jack and a couple of the others have spoken to Jake as well, kind of to see how the day unfolded and, and how it went for them. But it seemed like there was kind of that whole group of Ando and the boys all went out pretty hard together. The rest mm. of them early and Jake and Jack kind of sat back just behind them a little bit. Um, and then they kind of started to move through those boys once they got down into Numman bar Um but I don't, and again, being out there, that's the other thing I was going to ask as well with the conditions was it was kind of a bit miserable down on the coast here. So was it quite miserable up there or was it nice running conditions? Because I didn't actually get to experience what it was like. Oh, I mean, for me, I absolutely love running in that. Like it's a little bit drizzly and it's it's cloudy yeah. um, and you don't really know whether it's the humidity that's making your shirt kind of kind of quite sticky and wet um, or whether it's just, you know, the the you know, the, the little bit of rain that's in the air as well. So I, I absolutely love it, but I can imagine it, as I said, it would have been quite difficult for the mid packers and the backpackers mm-hmm. to get through some of those sections. Um, now I might be completely wrong in saying this, but one of the things I, f- I found most challenging when I did coastal and even on the weekend, I only ran 25 K of it was, um, you know, I didn't run the ship's turn section, but pretty, so I pretty much ran down from Binabara down to Numanbar and then up through Apple tree to the finish. And probably with the exception of that, that part on the road, you are constantly at different efforts for that whole mm. back half of the race. That last 25K, you're constantly at a very, very different effort. Oh, sorry, different speed, but a, a similar sort of perceived effort. And you, your speed almost has to change because some parts you're going upstairs, some part you're on the road, some part you're heading not only downhill, but quite significant and steep downhills. That downhill from Binnaburra is very, 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 very steep. You know, it's not a gentle downhill. And then, yeah, you get a bit on the road, but like we said before, like a big races like UTA, you do have big sections where it's runnable for great periods of time. You actually get into a good running rhythm. And I guess that's what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is here. I, it's a challenge to find a rhythm, particularly in that back half, um, because there are so many different changes from single trail to fire road up, fire trail uphill to climbing stairs to then, you know, even when you leave Apple Tree and you go on that flax section before you descend the stairs to Springbrook, um, you know, it's quite slippery on top of there because the mud can be really slippery. So I found I was running on the grass and then late on you're running down the stairs down to the bottom of Perlingbrook Falls and then you got to come back up there. So that's what I found, and I was only doing 25K of it, the most challenging part of the course is that you really have to control your perceived effort, keep that the same because your actual speed just seems to fluctuate up and down the whole day. So, Kyle, did you want to go through the podiums for the female and the male in the 50? And then I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about what I found online because um, I, I went through a few stats and looked at checkpoints and looked at times, and there was a couple of absolutely fascinating takeaways from it. Um, yeah. And there was a couple of some, some really interesting names that popped up who had great segments. So can you take us through the yeah. the overall results for the, the female and the male? So we'll go through the female one. So there was a quite a close battle here for the, for the podium spot. So second, third, and fourth were all only five minutes apart um, in this one. So... Third place was Stephanie Rudiger in five fifty nine forty one. So that's always a nice a nice feeling to sneak under one of those hour markers. Yeah. Um, and only 
Uh, two minutes ahead of her was Kate Schultz in second. So she ran 5.57.44. Um, and the winner, who won by 11 minutes, Ingrid Cleland, ran 5.46. So that was the, the female podium. And then yeah. if we go up, so I think it was one of those ones we didn't know if Risha was going to be running. She was obviously on the um, the list initially, but I know she'd had a little bit of a niggle. Um, and I've heard made a very sensible decision to not race, which was good. So she's getting herself right yeah. and, you know, moving on to, to other bigger and better things, obviously. So that's the black all, black all hundred. That's surely it. That's... So, so I think she yeah. made that call, obviously, with a big target in mind for black all to not try and break herself leading into black all. So that's a good decision. So we'll see Risha race, obviously, in a few weeks there. But she wasn't there. So it kind of opened up that that women's race to whoever was going to take that opportunity because there was a there was a win up for grabs. Hmm. Yep. And then we'll go on to the the male race. So now I'll take people back to my prediction from last week because mm, that's right. What was your episode, prediction? Yeah, I had a couple that I definitely didn't get right. But one of the things I said was that <laughs> Jake and Jack were both going to come in the top four. I don't know where I pulled top four from. I don't know why I didn't say top five, but I said top yep. four. Yep. Sure enough, you Jake and Jack were third and fourth. They were both in the top four. So I was very happy with myself getting that prediction. So. So Jack ended up running 5.02. He was in fourth. Now, Jake ran 4.53.21 for third. Eddie ran 4.52.44 for second. And Josh ran 4.52 flat. So 81 seconds between first and third. And it's not very often in an ultra race that they post a finish line video of the winner and you get to see second and third in the same video. So I think it's probably one of the first times I've ever seen that happen in an ultra. So what a finish. And we looked at the splits of this race and Josh had a bit of a lead and then they, Eddie was kind of closing in on Josh. Jake was closing in on Eddie and then Jake closed fairly significantly from apple tree to the finish. Um, and mm. I don't think either any of them knew where each other were. So they never actually no, got you to the point where they caught each other. So it would have been interesting if there was another K or two down the road here where all of a sudden if they all got a glimpse of each other, who would have had the kick if there was another 1,500 metres on the end of it because it looked like Jake was closing quite quickly. Um, but I don't think any of them knew whether they were all that close. So it was exciting to watch. It was it was really exciting. Well, let me let me give you some stats here. Let me get, go through things I found out. First of all, the female. So Ingrid ends up winning by uh, 11 minutes over Kate. Now, she, Ingrid actually had seven minutes on the field at the 24-kilometre mark. So at the halfway mark, really? as I go back through that first checkpoint, she's seven minutes ahead. So she's pretty much won the race effectively in that first half. You know, she's got, she's got a big enough um, gap there. Steph Rudiger was second until uh, through checkpoint three at Appletree. So Stephanie Rudiger has um, – so Kate Schultz was six minutes faster through the last section. So Steph Rudiger was second, fell to third, and Kate Schultz was six minutes faster through that very, very last section than anyone else. So she, Kate Schultz, to run into second, has had a phenomenal back half. Um, but clearly Ingrid, the, the speed at which Ingrid went out in that very first 24 kilometres set the race up, gave her almost an insurmountable lead as long as she didn't fade too much. But um, Kate Schultz has closed incredibly well there. And that, you said it, didn't you, in the last podcast, you said Coastal High can be won by those who close very, very well, who finish the race very well. And that was the story there for Kate Schultz, closed well but just left herself too much to do. And this, Kyle, when I've been through the stats and when I've been through section by section, this is the story of the day. And although it didn't end up with the win, it was an incredible thing to look at. So let's have a look at Jake Davis's run. So he finishes third. He's only 81 seconds behind the win. And I think you give him another kilometre, a kilometre and a half, and, and 
you know, I think it's it comes down to a sprint finish. There's no doubt he's closing and finishing better. But Jake was sixth at the halfway mark. Okay, so he he goes through 24 kilometers in 2:14. Josh Linnett goes through in 2:08. So he's sixth at halfway and effectively halfway, and he's six minutes behind the eventual winner. Jake then between checkpoint one and checkpoint two, so between 24 and 36 kilometers, he's third. Okay, but funnily enough, Eddie runs the fastest there. Eddie runs 102. Josh runs 104. Jake runs 105. So so Josh is still putting distance on Eddie at 36K. He's still seven minutes, about seven minutes ahead of him there. Then between checkpoint two and checkpoint three, Jake is second through that section. So six fastest through the first section, third fastest through the next part, second fastest between checkpoint two and checkpoint three. So that's pretty much effectively the, the run up to Apple Tree. Um, Eddie, uh, so Josh runs 48.10. Jake runs 48.51 and Eddie runs 48.52. So Josh is still pulling away at that stage. But then this is the amazing thing. Jake then first and the fastest in that final section, six minutes quicker than Josh through that very final section. Josh, Jake runs 44.32 and Josh runs 50 minutes and 12 and Eddie runs 47 and 42. So if you look at the way that Jake paced that day, and Jack with him as well, but Jack just didn't close effectively as well as, as Jake did. But if you look at the way that Jake paced that day, sixth through the first part, third through the next part, then second through the next part, then first through the last part, he's almost planned the race perfectly and he's almost run the perfect race but just let himself with a little bit too much to do in that final section. But it's, it is fascinating when you look at that. But that, Kyle, didn't blow my mind. That I kind of knew that was the situation. That That didn't blow my mind. What blew my mind was a couple of other things. Ricky Arnold finishes fifth overall, and he was ninth through the halfway point at 24 kilometres. So he's closed incredibly well also. Um, Then here are some other things. I'm looking at my notes here. The sixth fastest between checkpoint two and checkpoint three, which is between 36 and 43, was Justin Enright. Now, Justin Enright, for those podcast listeners... But for those who don't know Justin, Justin's the very first person to do 100 kilometres on the goat loop. So Justin Enright, I think, Kyle, he he was 40-odd minutes behind um, in that first section. And I didn't actually write down here. He's, what, can you find out what was his overall finishing place, Justin? So he finished 22nd. Right, so he finishes 22nd overall. Yeah, he finishes 22nd, 22nd overall. overall. But he's the sixth fastest between checkpoint two and checkpoint three, which is the, cl- which is the climb up to Apple Tree. Then it gets even better. But then look at his time, Kyle, between checkpoint three and the finish. There's only one person who beats him, isn't there? Yep. There's only one person through that final part from 43K to 50K who is faster than than Justin Enright, otherwise known as the goat man. He's the second fastest. Only Jake Davis closes the last seven kilometres quicker than Justin Enright between CP3 and the finish. That's an extraordinary. I mean, when I was looking through the stats and I was looking through the the places, I could see you could filter each check each um you know checkpoint to checkpoint, and then I saw Justin's name pop up, and I was like, "Wow, he's had a great middle part." And then I filter the next column, and I thought, "He's come second. He's come second in that in that um between checkpoint three and checkpoint and the final." That's that's incredible, isn't it? That Justin's well, also, running quicker yeah, well, there. This is interesting. So because we know how good, and Jack Gill will love this stat, not really, but we know how fast Jack is. If you take the split from yep. 36 kilometres to the finish, Justin got him. Yep. So that just shows yep. how fast he ran that back half of that race. Justin would have had one of the That's fastest right. last two sections together. So from 36, from Numbar to the finish, 
If you add those yep. last two times up, he's run one of the fastest splits of the day for those two, which is just well, what is awesome. Well, I think does, does Justin run about ninety? Does he run about ninety nine minutes for the for from thirty six kilometers onwards? He's pretty much on a hundred minutes. Yeah, so he's and only so, so two Josh, minutes slower than Josh for that. That's last right. Josh is, about, Josh is about ninety eight minutes. Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal statistic that yeah. someone who finishes twenty second overall. And I think he was about 45, 40, 45 something minutes in that very first checkpoint, the first half of the race, can close so well. And I went on to his Strava, Kyle, to have a look at his Strava, but of course, yep. Justin doesn't put anything on Strava, so there's nothing there. So I couldn't even have a look <laughs> at the stats. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so he was in, first I'll give you foremost, another stat here, yeah. Tom. So he was yep. at that checkpoint at 24K or whatever it was. He He's not even on the front page in the top 50. So he. <laughs> He's on the second page somewhere. So he would have been back in about, yeah, a lot. He would have been in about 60th, 60th place 60th, or so, 60th, something like that. Yeah. He's he's a significant, here he is there. He'd be in about 60th place. Wow. He would have been right around it's, 60th at the at halfway. So he's had an incredible great, Yeah, I mean, it's a great website, that one, for to, to look at results because you can really look at, at not only the front runners but the mid packers. But, Kyle, I, I guess first and um, the most important thing is big congratulations to um, to Ingrid and to Josh um, for their actual win. I mean, for Josh to come out and to to race guys of that caliber, to write the race trail runners of that caliber, and he he obviously went out very fast, didn't he? Like two oh eight um, was his time, and then two thirteen for Eddie and two fourteen through that very first checkpoint. So he's gone out with a plan, Josh, hasn't he? And really put them to the sword early and got. You know, if, well, that's effectively a kilometre, isn't it, at that pace? He's a kilometre ahead as he goes through that first checkpoint. And I didn't realise until I spoke to Jack during the week when we went for a Thursday run that that Ando and um, Piercy and Joey and those boys were actually in front of Jake and um, and Jack as well through, through most of the front half of the race. So, you know, there's been a lot of guys there who've gone out very, very bravely and they've gone out really hard. And I love that in trial racing. I'm a big fan of that. And you can see Josh has done the same. He's gone out probably with some advice from, from some of those boys who've done Coastal before. And, and, and he's, he's, he's chanced his arm early and gone, you know what, well, I'm going to push this. I'm a, I'm a fast road runner. I can do well over that front half. And then let's just see if I can hang on at the end. And can you imagine what's going through his head, Kyle, through those last 7Ks? Like he, like he must have felt it in his own body that he was slowing and he must have been thinking, they're going to get me at any moment. You know, and he would have still, obviously still had a, a bit of a lead as you get down the bottom of the stairs at Perlingbrook Falls and then you – and then you climb back up and, you know, when you cross that little footbridge with a couple of hundred metres to go, he must have been thinking, how have they not caught me? How have they not caught me? Little does he know that, that Eddie's only effectively, what, 100, 150 metres behind him and Jake's only another 100 metres behind Eddie. And uh, Jack said to me in the week, it would have been so good to see it have a drone over the top of those boys in that yeah. last three kilometres. But, look, J- Josh puts his name up there now with some of the great trail runners that we've had here on the coast. Um and, and as a win at Coastal High, it, you, you've, it's, it's wonderful. It's an extraordinary achievement and a great achievement. Uh, Eddie apparently is a very good marathon runner in his own right as well. Um, and Ingrid as well. I mean, you, you, yes, Risha wasn't there, but you, you've got to take these chances, don't you? When Risha doesn't run or when Haley doesn't run or whoever the, the dominant female is in the year, you take the chance. And Ingrid can now say forever that she's won Coastal 50, which is there's not many bigger. There's not, there's not many bigger. Um, uh, just on Josh as well, like he he did run a couple of weeks earlier. He ran fifteen twenty nine at Kira Park Run. So this guy is quick, you know. This he's very very fit and very very quick runner. So um, yeah, great, absolutely wonderful. It's it's wonderful. Look, as I said, looking through those results and looking through how well some people closed the race. Um, 
you know, particularly J- um, Jake and particularly Justin and even Ricky Arnold to go from ninth through to fifth, you know, push through those boys. So, uh, whew, unbelievable. But just a bit on Ingrid as well. I looked at her, some of her results. Um, she ran a 252 marathon in Sydney a couple of years back. Uh, she was actually third female at the UTA 22. Um, I don't remember what year that was. Maybe it was this year. It might have been last year. I can't, didn't write the result down. Uh, and she also did a, four, a 5.43 at the UTA 51 year as well. So she's got – she's a seasoned trail runner as well with some, some great races behind her as well. Third place at UTA 22 is exceptional performance. But, um, Kyle, anything in the crunch? Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the crunch? I know Cecilia yeah. did really well in that race. Yeah, Cecilia did extremely well. So I'll just keep you through the results quickly. So this was um, the 28-kilometer version, the shorter version for the first time that we've had with yeah. Coastal High. Um, and the third female, we had Sarah Ryan in 3.09. Second was Sharon Ryder in 3.03. And then Cecilia, she took out the win in 2.48 and was second overall in the race. So only a minute and a half, just over a minute and a half behind the winner overall, the lead yeah. male. Um and then, um, where are we here? Male race, Warwick Sinclair, for 252. Yeah. So he had a great run. He was loving it. And I saw the post afterwards, and it looked like he had an absolutely fantastic day out there. So Was he in board shorts? Done, was he running in board he, shorts? Pretty, I didn't have a close enough look. He would have to have been, surely. He's got to be running in board, board shorts. shorts. Yeah. Um, so he had a great run. Um, Zach Newsham was second. So Zach, we I think this is probably the longest run Zach would have done. So... Zach, he we know him in the short course series for the SEQ series. Yeah. He'd been up on the contesting for the podium quite a lot when we are talking about that series through last summer. Um, so he's done really well there to run. He ran 2.49, so he was about 50 seconds behind Cecilia. So it was it was close in the top the top few overall. Um, and then Liam Therence, he ran 2.46.49, so he took the win overall. And I think that was one of his first trail runs as well from what I've heard from people. So, yeah. A good day overall in the crunch. I think that was a bit of a success for the first year yep. that's been that that's been put on. And that's pretty much the course that Brad and I ran just to, you know before the runners. And it 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 has the toughest part of the course in it. You know, it's you do a, a tiny little loop up at the top at Binnerborough before you then head down into Numanbar. So you get all the climbing. I think I think we got eleven hundred meters or a thousand meters or something over the. We only did twenty five k of it. Um, so yeah, you get you get the best parts, I guess, of of the coastal. But Cecilia's race, wasn't it? I mean, that's a well-timed place, um, a very strategic race and a very strategic run in the lead-up to Blackhall. I mean, everything's pushing towards that female race in Blackhall, isn't it? Um, some massive names there, and we'll, we'll preview that in a couple of weeks' time, but that, that Blackhall race is going to be, the 100 is going to be something to behold, that female one. That'll capture the imagination. But, Kyle, look, Coastal, there it is. That's Your prediction came true. You, you, you placed it well. Spot we on. had a couple of Spot on. a couple of names that we, we thought would be in the mix that didn't end up racing um, or have just come back from injury. I think Nick Tatucci's just come back from an injury after Guzzler. I don't think Cam Munro raced. Um, but, yeah, to have Casey, Josh and Casey Eddie Munro. in there. Get that well. right. It was Casey that was supposed to be running. Oh, sorry. Cam. Yeah, Casey, sorry, not Cam. Sorry. Right. Good, we've corrected uh, that. That's perfect. But, look, my other yeah. prediction that I made um, was that Risha was going to run sub five and come – Sixth overall, I think I said. So I reckon if she wasn't injured, yep. she definitely would have done that. So I'm going to give myself a little tick there for that prediction as well. So I reckon I was two from three. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give myself. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. All right, let's uh, let's go on to Cole. The race from this the last couple of days, Glasshouse Hundred. And as we yeah. said, this this must have been an absolutely treacherous conditions with the heat. This, I mean, I raced the fifty there last year, and I had half a mind to do it this year, but I've got other plans. Um, 
but some big names again. Um, so I'll go through a couple of results. First of all, Kyle, the, the 100 miler. So in the female race, we had um, Chrissy McFadden in 30 hours and 21 and Felicity Fong in first place, 24-46, which actually places her third overall. And I think for a great period of this race, she was up there with the actual overall male leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the male race, in third place, Jackson Bailey, 26-31, Ben Harris, 24 hours and 30, and Ryan Crawford, there's the name again, 24 hours and 21. But looking at his Strava, his Strava title, was, Kyle, was something on the long, along the lines of had to race them down, had to chase them down. So I think Ooh. actually Ben Harris and I think maybe, I think Ben Harris and, and Felicity actually went out faster. And judging by the splits on the on their actual race results page, there's a section one which looks like it's through the 100-kilometre mark. And Ryan is actually fourth through what looks like the 100-kilometre mark. And he's 30 minutes behind Ben Harris. And if you look, there's only a nine-minute gap between the two winners, between the first and second male after the 100 miles. So it looks like the last 20K must have just been like an absolute hunt. Would have been like just just Ryan just chasing Ben down as as hard as he possibly can. Um, Ryan made a comment, in, I think, in his Strava or up on Facebook that, his pacer did a phenomenal job at the back end. So uh, Ryan's always been there, hasn't he? It was Ryan versus Brad Glover last year, which Brad got the better of him. But I think the year before, Ryan got the um, – I think has he won that 100-miler before? I know he's always there. I'm pretty sure he has. I know I last know year he was – I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. Well, he's got it. Anyway, anyway. The, the, yeah, that's right. The, the Brad and the Ryan story last year was a great race. But this year he's come out run 24-21. Um, great time. So it would have been hot, wouldn't it? I mean, would have been really would have been especially once very, it would have been a nice tough. night. I reckon. I reckon the night would have been beautiful. Yeah. So there was a, there was a hundred k race and a, and a fifty k race as well. Now, Kyle, have you seen the results for the hundred k? I have seen the results for the hundred k. Very close for the win. Very, very like very, very well. Close. Look, and let uh, and I think the timing probably should have gone down to at least the hundredth of a second to separate these two. But funnily enough, the results have put position one and two there. They haven't given two first place, so. <laughs> I don't know if we're going we're gonna to have to record so, this as first and second. So here we go. Um, so in the male race, the 100, so Rory McHugh, 12 hours, 48 minutes. Kevin Muller, 12 hours, 48 minutes. Third place, Trent Harding, 13 hours, 29. Now, knowing Alan as we know Alan, would he accept a tied finish, a holding hands at the finish, or would he be the sort of guy that just goes, you know what, I'm, you think I'm only going to go to the second here, but like you said, I'm going to go to the hundredth of a second. And Kevin, you haven't got, you, I'm going to give you a second place. I reckon well, he, he would. Be we're up looking for that, at the results here, and he, well, I don't think he would. But there's no, normal. I don't know whether this this timing, whoever they're using here, has the ability to put two first place in. But there's a clearly a first and a second place on the results. So <laughs> I, I guess we have to give it to Rory. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, and, um, I'll be interested to see whether they ran the whole thing together or not. But yeah. Yeah. And have um, you got the female results there? The first, second, third, and the in the hundred. For the females, yeah, so we had the so three females, the three female finishes. So Kylie Rolton was twenty four forty three, and then we had second place Britt Wallace nineteen oh two, and then yep. Deshana Liang ran eighteen fifty. So she was only yep. twelve minutes ahead of second. So I think it was still reasonably close in the in the females as well. Yeah. So yep. well done to everyone that did either the mile or the hundred k, fifty, thirty, twenty one, twelve, all of the races there. Well, I just want to I quickly. I want to quickly touch on the fifty because um, it's a three a.m. start, which makes this race a challenge. So you're running the first half of it with your headlamp, so that can slow people down. Now, if you remember last year, Kyle, I did the fifty, and this was the the story that for the very first time in my life, and maybe the only time, I actually led an ultra. 
Um, so I was leading for a first couple of K because it's through single trail and I had that moment where you think there's no one in front of me. It's completely up to me now to set the pace, to follow the markings. Um, so, uh, but this year and, and our finish time last year, I think was we were at five hours or just under five hours. So it wasn't particularly quick. But this year, the times for the 50K were significantly quicker and uh, a familiar name. And, and I don't know, is he a nemesis of yours, Carl? Can I put him down as a oh, nemesis? We can go with that. We can, can go, go with, with a nemesis. Uh, so the 50K in third place, David Vroom, four hours and 52. Second place, and the man who stole Kyle's uh, 5.0 no, crown. Third, that was fourth place. You've, you've cut Andrew Edwards out of there. He oh, have third. I? You've oh, missed sorry. him out. David got, a mention, David got a mention for fourth. <laughs> we'll give him fourth. So who's who's third then, Andrew? Andrew Edwards, 447. 447. Okay, sorry, Andrew, 447. Ollie Waddington, there he is, second place, Kyle, uh, four hours and 33 minutes. Uh, so there's the guy who stole Kyle's crown. So um, well done to Ollie there. And then Billy Curtis, four hours, 17, significantly quicker than last year. So, um, yeah, well done to those those three there. And in the female race, uh, Sharon Mitchell, seven hours, 26, Court Anderson, six hours, 46, and Rachel Mills, six hours, 14 for the podiums there. So, yeah, Glasshouse, the one thing I've loved about Glasshouse this year, Kyle, is Alan's medals and his um his race bibs like his whoever's doing those race bibs and those medals like the art behind them is outstanding. Gone are the days where the race bib just used to be a white one with a you know black number scribbled on the front and someone's um sharpie pen. Now it's a full piece of artwork that you can kind of hang on to and look after for years and years. So um yeah, it would have been hot as I said. So this is this is where racing is going now. Heat, heat survival. But uh, Kyle, so I mean, Ollie Waddington, he has been your nemesis on the uh, on the Goat Loop Five crown stealing back and forth between the two of you. So that's a nice segue into our Summer Goats Five Point which two weeks old now. It's twelve days old. We're coming up to the halfway point. I've just got my Strava open here, uh, and your name is nowhere to be seen at the moment. So no, no attempt. So must have just missed it out there. Someone's got rid of it off. Someone must have flagged my run. I ran like 133. I don't know. Tom oh, must have right? flagged it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Must have. Must have. And now knowing that you're racing next weekend, so that pushes you back to the 19th. So that means you're going to do one of those last week uh, efforts to get yourself in the mix. But um, have you got your Strava open there? Can you see the this month? Yeah. So we've oh, had, I think, I did have a look, and we've had we've had 24 attempts so far from 16 different people. So a couple have yep. gone out there a couple of times. Yep. Um, which is great to see. But we've had a female and male crown yep. taken already. So, which is awesome to see. That was that was brilliant. So Danielle Murray went out on the second of September, day two of the yep. challenge, two hours seventeen thirty eight. Took the crown. So that's one crown down. And then two days later, so Ollie, who had the crown, was out doing two laps of Goat Loop 5.0. And while he was out running, Tom Brimlow went absolutely flying past him (laughs) and took his crown off him. That's that's harsh, actually. I don't know if we've ever had someone actually out running the loop witnessing someone (laughs) stealing their crown, but that's... That's a first. So Ollie got to so witness good, firsthand someone breaking his crown. Got to actually watch Tom run past him as he took the crown. But Tom went out and ran an hour 37, 46 and laid down a very fast time. So I think that was about 10, 11 minutes yeah, 11 off minutes. the crown. So there's the time to beat. So like you said, there's still some still some names that haven't that haven't had a run yet. But I think Tom's going to be hard to beat. So we're going to have to oh, – is there like, anyone, um, anyone that yeah. you're looking forward to seeing, Tom, that hasn't run that you're well, – there's a couple of names, but first of all, I just want to draw your attention to seventh and eighth place. Look at the gap between those two. Yeah. One second. 
Now that's that's a little bit of gamesmanship on my well, I behalf. I think that's there. that's <laughs> payback for when the three of us were in that loop of doom, and Henry and I got the crown together, yeah. and you were one second behind. Yeah, you have it's got a, him by a second. I think the technique was as we entered the loop uh, where the uh, where the gate actually is. I think I'd have said, Henry, you know, you go through the gate first. So Henry goes through the gate first, walks over the starting line, and then we finish together. But obviously, <laughs> I go through a second later, which means it makes me a second quicker. So a little bit of gamesmanship there. So, um, but I dare say. That's gonna, so that's we're going to have change. to watch when we're going to go into this in a little bit, but I think we're going to have to watch the two guys doing something big on the goat loop that we make sure they start at the same time. Otherwise someone's yes. going to get, we've, we've yes. got to get that equal time. We'll, we'll, we'll chat about that later. So let's, let's have a look at the females here. So we've got four females who've run the loop. So fourth place, Jennifer Gale at the moment, three hours and 11. Uh, third place, Ricky Pring in three hours and one. Uh, second place, uh, Jen Spence. Two hours fifty-three, and yeah, Danielle Murray, two hours and seventeen. She's got a, quite a sizable gap there, going into the last. What have we got? Three days before we offer the points, the double points, the two bonus points, we should say. So it looks like Danielle's at the moment is in place for um, the two bonus points, unless someone can do a midweek five point Which, as I mentioned to Brad Ayer, you know, a week ago, I'd planned to do it on the Friday last, the Friday last. And I just I woke up fifteen minutes late, and then I'm done. Like I've you, you time it perfectly to get to work, and I just couldn't get the two the the five point oh done and get to work. So I'm saying there, Kyle, that Danielle's probably going to get the two points for the halfway mark. At this and then, stage, that looks like it. And then equally, so let's have a look at the males. The males we've had twelve people attempt it. Justin Elms uh, in twelfth place, Ifa Lewis in eleventh, Sean Lyons in tenth. Uh, you'd say Sean probably is not going to do much with that this week since he's just finished the the hundred miler at Glasshouse. Matt Burt in ninth, uh, Henry uh, Coombs in eighth, two hours ten fifteen seconds. Myself in uh, seventh, two hours ten fourteen seconds. Uh, Scott George, who also ran with us, but this is interesting. See, Scott did that. He's we had a bit of a, we had a, seconds. Well, no, this is the thing. We had a social run yesterday to help Tom Brimelow with a log run. So we did the the five socially, and we all went through the gate together. But Scott George has come out at two oh nine forty seven. So he knows. I reckon he's working out his tactics for the run that he's going to be doing. He's got it sorted. So that crown is going to be his. Which we'll although he, actually, you know what, he did go down the last hill to gate a bit quicker. So there you go. Uh, so Scott's in six two hours nine. Clayton Beard two hours and two. So there's a gap there between fifth and sixth. Brad Ed one fifty seven fifty four. Although he claims that was just a recce, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not believing a word of that, Brad, but there you go. Third place, Reese Drummond. That's a good time from Reese, 156.12. Uh, then a bit of a gap there to Ollie Waddington, 1 hour 52.52. And then a monster of a gap to Tom Brimelow, 137.46. And this is what I mean. I, I, That might get beaten at the end of the month, but I can't see anyone beating it before three days' time. So I don't know if that's Wednesday or Thursday is the 15th. So I'd say... I'm predicting Tom's there going to take at least two points, um, which makes it interesting then, doesn't it? Like you, you, you then have to almost – someone's got to go out and beat Tom's time overall because if he gets the two points here plus the 10, if you come second to him, that means Tom's going to be on 12 points after a month and second is going to be on nine points. So someone's got to go and do that. And so who are we looking at? You know, Jack and Jake potentially, they, they could they could do it. Yourself, I don't know, but like I said, I, I, I can't. You're not going to do that before next weekend, so that leaves you with a week. So I don't know. That's that's a real. I tough think it's one. a pretty good time. I think it's going to be harder to beat than you think. Oh, I, I, think oh, a, absolutely. I think it's a pretty cracking time. I, I don't again, think it's it moving. It could, but I'd, I don't, be, I'd be surprised if there's someone else above him by the end of the month. And if well, someone I, is, he'll probably go back and try and take it anyway. I'd be surprised agree. if he doesn't win. 
I 100% agree. And this is the thing about it is that, like we said before, most of these times on the goat loop, probably with the exception of Matt Hauser's 1.0 and maybe Jack's, you know, two and, and 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 two and three laps, most times you could get if it was in a race situation. But you've actually got to go out there on your own with no race bib on, unbeknown to anyone else, and run this really hard. And that time is, I don't think anyone's going to get that. And he said to me on the long run, but what about it's almost equivalent to Jack's three loops of the 1.0 and Jack's time is obviously seven or eight minutes quicker. I said, yes, I agree with that. But if you're doing multiple laps of a 1.0, you know where your split has to be on every single point on every single lap. You don't know how hard you have to run at certain points on the 5.0 to beat Tom's time. You don't, you know, it's, a, I think it's, I don't think you can compare three laps of the goat loop to one lap of the 5.0. Because that's I think interesting because I reckon the elevation's pretty, I reckon it's actually a really, that's actually, I've never thought about that. It's almost the exact same distance too, literally to the meter. Yep. I think it's, I think it's the, it's about 20.6 for the three laps and it's 20.85 for 5.0. So that's interesting. There you go. But I don't, I don't I, as I said, I don't, I don't think it's, I think doing three single laps is easier and faster because you know exactly where you have to be at the top of ev- at top of the hill climb, at top of the goat climb. You know where you've got to be, you know, when you get to last hill to gate if you're trying to run quicker than that time. And, of course, we all know that that last four kilometres on the goat loop is very, very runnable and it's very smooth and there's not too much in the way. You can really get a clip on down there. But there are segments of that 5.0 which are very, very rocky and very steep. You've got to come out of those creek beds. So... As, I agree with you, Kyle. I don't think that time's moving. I don't think. Well, what if, what if we need Jack to go out and have a run? Because then we'll get a true comparison to see what the what the gap's yeah. like. So he's one twenty seven. Oh god, if he goes out and runs one twenty seven on this lap, I would be very impressed. <laughs> but look, if Jack's listening, just give him. It's just there give him for the, the taking. Yeah, give him the crowd. Give him taking. Give him the whole summer goat's loop. If he runs one <laughs> under one thirty for the five point oh, just we should just go. It's you know over. what? Cancel the tournament. It's finished. Jack is the winner. It's finished. So, so that's where we're up to. Um, on the 5.0, but yeah. Kyle, you, um, you you must have a plan to go out there late September. To be honest, I hadn't even thought, I don't, I don't know how I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't even thought about myself running this. We've been talking about organising it and building it up and seeing yep. track of everyone. I hadn't even thought about doing it myself, but I, I guess I'll have to at some point. So, again, if I'm racing next weekend, it won't happen. So it'll either be that or it'll be a last day effort when I know what all the other times are. Trying to yeah. <laughs> might pop out on the 30th, whatever day of the week that is. I, I mean, I think that I think that that top ten men can all go sub two hours when you put when you put people in. It's just Definitely. a que- it's just a question of whether a few other people are going to have a go at it. But I think I think tenth place will probably run bang on about two hours. I think that time from Clayton and and Scott's time there and and my time and Henry's will get bumped out. Um, you know, but it's as I said, it's tough to go out there and and do that on your own. And this is what makes it an interesting competition. And it's going to get more and more interesting because, like I said to Tom. You've got points here. I know you've got points, and I think you'll win this month, but you're racing the Black Hole 100, which is right in the middle of October. So you're not going to go out and do a hard 4.0. And I dare say the recovery after the Black Hole 100 might put you out for the entire month. So this is where the points tally gets interesting. Like You might have to give him the win here, but you could get ahead of him on a points-by-points points basis just by running the October League. Um, yeah. It's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. Yeah. I'm looking forward to following we the go. next two weeks. It's good. It's very but good. But hopefully... Hopefully we can get a few more uh, women out there as well because we'd love to make it a top 10. So if, if you're a female runner listening to this, get out there, have a bit of a go at it. There's room in that, that time. So, I mean, Danielle's is quick, but certainly second, third and fourth are Well, the other there. thing as well, Tom, that we should make a point is that 
like we spoke about last episode, someone's going to win a free entry into the Andina yeah. 5.0. And if you don't do yep. this race, you can't be in the draw for that, this 5.0. So yeah. at this stage, there's only 16 people that are going to be in the draw for that for that race entry. So if you were looking And I'm one of them, so I'm not going to take it. So No, so 15. <laughs> so we've only got 15 people. So if it stayed like this for the rest of the month, these 15 people are going to be laughing. They just got to tick off and they've got a 1 in 15 shot of a, a free race entry. So... If wow. you want to be in for the chance, yeah. all you got to do is finish the loop. You don't have to run it fast. You just got to get it yep. done. Got two weeks. Yep. Absolutely. All right, Kyle. Let's let's move on from Summer Goats five point So at the end, in the next podcast, that'll be exactly the end of the month, won't it? Or oh, a couple of days Close spare. A couple of days spare. So we'll almost have a recap on that one. But Kyle, let's now get onto um, a bit more stuff about the goat loop. A note from the goat, as our regular section is. We've got a couple of big things to talk about. Uh, anything? I mean, I've got a couple of notes here on things, Kyle. But anything from you, first of all. About the goat so loop. just just an update. We are up to two thousand uh, five thousand two hundred and forty eight laps. So we are a quarter of the way to six thousand already. Jeez, that's quick. So <laughs> we're moving very quickly. We're already. I feel like we've just just finished talking about five thousand, and the way we're going, it will be not too far away from six thousand. So it's yeah. There's a lot of laps getting run still. It's still going. It's not slowing down. So it, that's the main update from me. It's impressive. And we had the other. I suppose the other thing as well. Uh, Peter McKeska went out and ran, was it 10 or 11 laps on Monday he's up to? He ran, I think he ran 10 laps last Monday. It would be 10 yep. or 11. He's been out there doing lots of laps. And I don't know. I think he's still going again tomorrow morning. He'll be out for 11. Is it 11 tomorrow oh, or 12 man. tomorrow? He's, he's running a lot of laps. So he is currently the local legend with 63 laps. There you go. So here's the interesting thing about the Goat Loop, Kyle, which made my day very interesting. I think it lightened up everyone Saturday yesterday was when I just happened to be chilling on my bed. I was reading a book and whatever, and I thought, oh, you know, I haven't checked Instagram for, since after Coastal. I'll have a look. And then I jump on Instagram and I click on our live stories at the top. All of a sudden, Ben Deneed's face pops up. <laughs> and then and then I'm just like, what's going on here? So tell us the story behind this because this made, this made a lot of people's day to see live footage on the goat loop as it happened. And I'm going to get to the story behind it in a moment. But you tell me how the Ben Deneen uh, access access granted, you know, all access pass was was given to him on the goat loop. So there probably could have been more of this because so I was at work yesterday morning and I checked my phone at one point and there was a message from Ben saying, I'm on the goat loop, something's happening, can I have, I want to do some content, can I have the login for Instagram? And I thought, I don't even know what's happening. But I said, absolutely. So I sent him the login details and then I was back in with, with clients for the next couple of hours. So I didn't get to see any of this until all of a sudden I came back and there was about 10 stories to watch. And it was probably one of the funniest <laughs> things I'd seen for a long time. So I think a lot of people got a lot of reaction out of that. Everyone loved it. So we've had a few people calling for for multiple return segments from Benny. So I think he's so. still got the login, so he could be going, I don't know when he's going live. So you're probably going to see him pop up at completely random times. So that'll be something for people to look out for and for the rest of time. I think he'll be doing lots of content, which will be quite funny. So maybe, Kyle, before we lose that footage on Instagram Live, maybe see if you can drag it and put it into an actual permanent story itself in the top there so people can who haven't seen it can maybe have a bit of a look I at it. I think I can do but, that um, once it's gone. I'll do that. Yeah, the story was, wasn't it, Kyle, that uh, he he spotted a bag at the um, at the bottom of the goat loop, which always indicates that something is happening. Um, and then he found the runner and it ended up being Cherie Barnes. So Cherie Barnes has gone out and done, did she do seven laps in the end? Seven laps. She, she seven did. laps. So she did the ultra goat uh, in the process, smashing the, uh, the female record. So she ran it in six hours and 40 uh, minutes and 52 seconds. So she took Eve's crown by an hour 
and two minutes. Sorry, an hour and two minutes and one second. Um, so she's obliterated the time there. But well done to Cherie. And as it as it looked like, I thought Benny had just gone out for a lap or two, but he actually did five of the laps. So um, yeah, he, I don't know if he was just following around, just filming at different points. So that was a big story to come out of this weekend with Cherie Barnes taking the the uh, the ultra goat, the seven laps, forty eight point five one kilometers. Uh, and lowering the time by an hour. So that's that's outstanding. So there's now five women who've done the Ultra Goat in total. Um, other things that happened yesterday as well, We uh, while we're on our social run, um, keeping Tommy company, we bumped into Hayley Teal, who said she was looking for the Goat Loop, and she was actually coming up the re- the wrong way. She was going up the reverse way. Uh, so we said to her, look, Hayley, just you know jog back with us, and then myself and a few others, we were finishing at the end of our three-hour run, but Brad and Tom were going out. And I said, oh, Hayley, you know, the boys might actually show you Goat Loop 1.0 so you can see exactly where it is. And so we got back to the gate and then they were trying to figure out how much time everyone had left for their run. And then I think Tom or Brad said, well, look, we're going to go and do a 3.0. Why don't you come and join us? So Haley joined Tom and Brad on the 3.0 and in the process took the 3.0 crown. <laughs> so the 3.0 crown is gone. It's now Haley's And the, uh, the the Ultra Goat, the seven laps of the single Goat Loop is now Cherie. So, yeah, two big crowns falling in a day yesterday and great Instagram footage. But, um, Kyle, I guess the big story that we want to talk about in terms of Goat Loop is what's going to be happening soon. So we've talked a bit about this over the last, I guess, year, that there's, there's a few things that we want to see happen. Once Justin Enright had done the 100K on the Goat Loop, then there really was only one other mark, wasn't there, that would, I guess would almost rival that as being the most extraordinary single achievement for the big distances, you know, with the, the single times and, the you know, the, the crowns uh, for one lap, not, not counting. But... Um, but we have a bit of information that we'd like to share with everyone here because we've been talking to this particular runner about it over the last couple of weeks. And it has been planned and it is about to happen, Kyle, the 100 miles on the Goat Loop, 24 laps of the Goat Loop. It's been in the making, I guess, for the last month. So I'm going to tell you the story behind it and I'll tell you the the, the runner's name and how we can actually support this particular person because it's not, it's not being done for purely individual motives. There's a bigger story behind this. Yeah, not just yeah. to get on the so, podcast. No, the story is bigger than that, and we're hoping that everyone who's who listens to the podcast can support in some way. It can, this can't be done, you know, solely. This this is going to require a massive amount of support from the running community on the coast because it's going to be a big day and a bit out there. Um, so the runner's name Scott George. So some people might remember him. He was tied up in battles often for uh, multiple laps of the Goat Loop, and certainly some of the three point I think he might even still have. Does he have the 3.0 crown or has Brad Glover got that? I think he does. No, I think, I think, I think he's, Scotty's I think got it. three and four. Yeah, I think he has. So, yeah, Scott George is well known on the coast. He's part of the Northern Gold Coast um, Run Club. Uh, he loves the goat loop. He's out there all the time. I think he's done a, close to 150 goat loops himself. Now, the story behind it is that Scott has uh, a son and his son's best friend has just been diagnosed with a form of cancer. So lymphoblastic lymphoma. Um, so his name is Taj. So Scott set up a, um, a Facebook event, which is called 24 for Taj. And Scott is hoping to raise money to support Taj and his family in the, uh, I guess, the medical costs and the living costs while he goes through treatment. We're going to put the link to the GoFundMe page, which Scott has set up um, in the show notes for this. So if you would like to donate uh, some money to help out Taj's family and to support Scott with what he's doing, that would be great. But aside from the financial side, Kyle, there is a massive amount that we can do for him as runners as well, isn't there, on the day. So he's doing this on October the 2nd, and I think the start time is 7 a.m. 
Um, so to do 24 laps of the goat loop, the aim is purely to finish. And this is the thing, the, the time that he does it in is irrelevant uh, because obviously this is for a, a, a cause far greater than anything we could possibly imagine. This is purely just to support Taj and his family. So I guess, Kyle, what could we do in terms of running to, to get out and support Scotty? What are the, what are the ways that you think he's going to need us? Well, obviously, there's just the actual point of getting out there and running a lap or two with Scott's because we were kind of talking about this and it's it's going to probably take into Sunday morning most likely with that as well. So I think obviously I'd, I would say that Scott most likely will probably want some company through the night um, section over that yeah. Saturday night as well. So I think obviously anyone that wants to get out there and run some laps with him as well, this could very well turn into another one of those days with a lot of people out there running goat loops. And I think, you know, it's obviously an amazing cause why he's doing it as well. I think this will be one of those good days that everyone kind of gets around it and, you know, gets out there and just supports him. Um, we know that I think Brad's going to run the majority yep. of it with him as well. He's going to run the whole 100 miles, Brad Aird. So he's already said he's he's going to do that with him as well. So he'll be out there with Scott the whole time. Um, who knows if there's anyone else that's going to join in as well. But I think obviously everyone just getting out there, running some laps with him, supporting, even if it means someone just comes down to watch him come through and helps him with some aid station stuff back at the velodrome yeah. um, as he comes through each lap. But obviously if people want to get out there during the night as well, if they've got time to, to keep them company through those hours, because that'll be, you know, starting at 7 o'clock in the morning, He's going to be running through the middle of the night, you know, a long time into this run, 20, 24 hours yeah. into this run. So I think obviously just getting out there is, and spending as much time as you want with him. And like you said before, if people want to help out with the cause, we'll, we'll put the link there for him. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's even even just, you know, maybe do a pizza run. If you're there and he says, look, I'm, I, need, I need to get some pizza on the next lap, you might just duck over to Domino's and grab some pizza and bring it back. Um so, I mean, the pace is going to be very, very social. It's going to be quite slow. I've chatted to, to Scotty about how do you actually do this? I mean, are you going to try and go out and, and run as much as you can early and then get into a hike? So he hasn't 100% figured that out yet, but I'm sure he will figure it out. And, yeah, through the night, it's going to be very, very tough. Um, I think it's the long weekend. I think it's the uh, the long weekend, the second, third, fourth. Yep. So uh, we're hoping it's the second he's doing it. So hopefully it's just the second and a little bit of the third. If we go into the fourth, um, yeah, we're down to a crawl. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go. Uh, the other thing to remember is with this, Kyle, as well, is that he, Scotty, um, Scotty's got to come up with how many names? Seven? Seven uh, or eight? eight? Seven or eight names. He's going to come up with eight names. He's got to come so up with well, eight. Well, I suppose if yeah. Brad's there with him as well, they might have a con- they can come up with a bit of a consensus and work out some names. I don't know if they'll take it a lap at a time and they'll take it in turns to name some laps, but we're going to have eight new. <laughs> That's a lot of it. We're going to have 24 different names now. When yeah. we first started yeah. doing these names, I think we had about five or six or four, four, five or six, which seemed quite reasonable. I don't think we ever yeah. thought it was going to get to twenty-four different names, but we're going to keep it going. We've got sixteen. We may as well. We may as well keep going. So yeah, so have a, have a look at um the uh, the Facebook event that that Scott George has put up on his account. Um, it's also on the Northern Gold Coast uh, page as well. Um, and as we said, so the second of October, starting at seven a.m. in the morning. If you can get out there in any way, shape, or form. And support Scotty. Um, if you'd like to support financially as well, then yeah, just check out the link that we'll put in the show notes. But uh, that's going to be extraordinary. We'll try and get as much as we can on on our um, Instagram page with our live stories because that will be something to behold. Uh, the the I guess the final hurdle, the the great final moment that we've we've wanted is that it. That's that's pretty much. Yeah. That's every one of the big marks that we thought possibly could be done, but never dreamed that it would be done. But, you know, in, in three weeks' time, it, it could all be done. 200 miles. Maybe that's Well, I was about to say, then that, that's awfully close to 50 laps. And, you know, that's that's got a nice ring to it. That's a lot of names right. you have to remember if someone does 
200 laps plus a bit, does 50 laps. I won't. Who knows? We'll look back on this in a few years and go, remember when we thought that was all everyone was going to do? Who knows? People have done 500 kilometres in Narang, so look, we're not going to put a cap on it. Could go anywhere. (laughs) All right, Kyle, take us. uh, Take us from Narang up to the beautiful location of Yapoon because uh, we wanted to mention this race because there's a couple of your training partners in this and a couple of people that um, runners will know on the Gold Coast who went up there for for a bit of uh, interstate glory to take a race out. Yeah. So this was exciting. So we had uh, Marty and Tennille, who people all know, and Rennie as well, who I run with quite a lot. Um, they were heading up. So Tennille was doing the 10K, Rennie was doing the half marathon, Marty was doing the marathon. So this was the first year they put the marathon on at the Poon Running Festival. And it's been a successful morning for the Gold Coast. So um, the first race that finished was the 10K, I believe, and Tennille took out the overall win in a time of 35.49. So beat everyone. Yeah by two minutes um, to take out a massive win. Wow. So great to see. How good's that? First place overall, female winning the whole race, Gold Coast local heading up there and, and taking the win, which is always nice. Yep. Um, and then in the half marathon, Rini also took out the overall win. She ran 114.47 and won by six and a half minutes overall. Wow. So had an absolutely cracking run. So it's been nice for these guys as well because they've been training for races, Gold Coast Marathon, Sunshine Coast Marathon. They've been training since earlier in the year for these races and they finally got to yeah. race. So I think it was quite warm up there from what they what I've heard so far, but it was nice just to get for them to get out and actually have a run. So both of the girls took out overall victories and, and ran cracking time. So it was it was two from two. And then yeah. Marty in the marathon. So Marty again's been training all through these things. He ran three eleven and took third overall. So they all got on the podium for Ooh. the morning. So the little Gold Coast contingent that travelled up to, to Yapoon are all coming away with podium spots. So it's That's a successful great. morning. It was a very exciting morning. It was it was fun to follow along. We were waiting to get back from the end of our long run to try and so I could check my phone and see the results of these. So it was it was fun to follow along. So I mean, these coastal towns and these 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 cities along the coast, they all have their own running festival, don't they? And um, you know, Mackay's got one, and Townsville's got them, and Rocky's got them, and now Yapoon's got them. So I remember um, Jackson Elliott once. You know, he when he was racing quite a bit, he used to head up to these races, uh, and sometimes there'd be a little bit of prize money on offer for first place, and win a lot of these. I guess you could call them smaller races. You know, they're not as big as the Gold Coast, you know, running festival, but you can get up there. There's a bit of prize money on offer and to, to get podiums or to get wins. So, yeah, have a bit of a look at these. If you're around that kind of calibre, then these races around the state can be a, can be a lot of fun getting to race in different conditions. So temperature-wise, Kyle, was it, was it muggy up there, humid? I think it was quite humid. Quite humid from obviously there are yeah. a couple, few hours north of here. So I think it was beautiful conditions. Sun was out, but especially for Marty in the marathon, I think it would have got very, very warm yeah. in the back half of that marathon. It always does. You know, it's even, you know, people know Gold Coast Marathon, it's the middle of winter here. It gets warm after a few hours out there on that road. So to go up north and run a marathon yep. on quite a warm, humid day, you know, just well done to everyone that got that done because it's finishing a marathon in good yeah. conditions is, is amazing, let alone in conditions like that. So yeah, absolutely. Great morning overall. And do you think do you, do you think they'll back up for the Queensland ten thousand then? Or would you? Is it a chance that they'll um, race next weekend? I don't know. We haven't talked about it, so who knows? We'll have to wait and see how tough, everyone pulls up. Whether that could be could be a chance. Tough for Marty, know. but maybe maybe Tennille and tough for Marty. And, uh, I don't think Marty will want to be running anything in the next week. I think he deserves a well earned rest. No. But yeah, Tennille and Rennie, we'll we'll see how they pull up, and that, that could be another little race on the radar. 
Absolutely. Well, um, just on that as well, so a couple of parkrun results, Kyle, that have happened over the last uh, couple of weeks. So Tadil actually ran 17.43 at Main Beach um, last Saturday on the 4th. So there's, I mean, to go sub-18 at Main Beach uh, is great. So clearly she was in good form. Uh, Regan Ellis then at Varsity on the same day, she ran 17.53. But I guess the standout result, um, someone that you've raced a little bit, Kyle, recently, Desi Cutter. Uh, yeah. Went back to Paradise Point, ran fifteen forty three. Is that as quick as he went at our North Championship, or is I that? I reckon it's, it's about the just, same, isn't it? It's about. I reckon he's just. It might be almost identical because I think Luke was third in fifteen forty, and yep. Desi was just behind him. I'd have to double check that, but yeah, I think that's time. pretty much identical. That's a cracking time for the win. Very good time. Very good time. So, um. Yeah, so a couple of great races there. Good to see Tanil right back racing nice and quick and nice and hard. See someone that we'd love to get um, a marker down on the goat loop as well. Maybe that's something you can start just squeezing into conversations there. Um, see how that goes. So, um, yeah, Kyle, what else have we got? So we got some questions, haven't we, that you put yeah, up on Instagram? I posted, that- no, I only posted this quite close to the start of the episode. So apologies for anyone that listens that responds to this Instagram question later tonight. Yep. Well, after we've recorded, but we've had a couple of questions. Now, one's kind of to do with something that's happening in about 55 minutes' time. We've got the Great yep. North Run that's going to be happening, um, and Stewie McSwain's name's on the start list. Now, I don't, he's obviously running. I, I thought he might have been pacing or something, but his name's on the start list, and I don't think he's run a half marathon before. He's coming off the back of third place at the Diamond League final um, in the 1500, and he, I think he's going to be lining up for this half marathon. Well, his name's on the start list anyway, so... David Vernon, who I ran with this morning, he's posted a question to us and said, what time is he going to run for this half? So if you, if he is running and he has a good run, what do you think he can run? He's obviously run quick for 10K on the track, but if you had to guess a time that he could run at the moment off the back of a 1500 race only a few nights ago, what's your what's your prediction? Oh, this is all you. You're the numbers, man. But I'm, I'm just going to give... I want to hear what you're gonna... I know what I reckon. <laughs> I'm just going to give some stats. So for people who don't know, the Great North Run, so that's up in the um, the northeast of England in uh, in Newcastle up there. It is the biggest half marathon in the world, I believe. 57,000 people um, swarm over some of the great bridges that they have um, up in Newcastle. So very famous for its football, very, very hardened um, folk up there and hardened stock. So this is a run that goes up on people's CVs, isn't it? Like when Mo Farah, I think, has won this a few times, I think Gebra Celesi's won it as well. When when you win this, it's one that you kind of put towards the top of your CV. So, what's your question? So, Stewie, what um, time is he going to run? If he's actually running, which seems surprising considering he's coming off fifteen hundred meter running at the Olympics and Diamond League. But if he does run, or even if he doesn't, what time do you think he could run for a half? Oh, I don't know, sixty-two. Oh, I think that's harsh. I think he could run. Well, I don't know how much training he's done. Sixty-one. I, he will, I don't know. 60. Well, I reckon. Oh, I reckon he could run. Sixty forty seven. I reckon he'll run right. sixty one. We'll we'll find out if he is running in the next two hours, whether he, we're anywhere near. Or he might not even. All right, well, I'll, I'll go. I'll go sixty one, sixty one fifty. You go sixty forty seven, and Done. that's um, we'll see. Yeah, you'll run. You'll end up being close. He'll run one eventually. He'll run one eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was a question from David. Um, we had a couple of other ones. Yep. So one from Jack Gill. We always get something from Jack. He has asked. Is Kyle going to come and test his road legs at Numanbar on the 24th of October at the SEQ series? Oh, 24th yeah. of October. That is interesting because... I grabbed a ticket. No. I got one. 
I don't have a ticket, so it's probably sold out. But if I haven't done anything in the week leading up to it, then absolutely I will continue to run on the road and I will go out there and race Jack so we can see. So there you go, Jack. I will, if I don't do anything else in the lead up to that, I will jump did in. You, and race it, did you say a couple of episodes ago that Dave Vernon's doing the long course? He is doing the long course series. So at this right, stage, Jack's he'll in be that there. as well. Okay, so Dave so, will be running, yeah. Jack will be running, Andy will probably come back and run, and Vince will be there. It could, we could have everyone. We could get everyone. Yeah. It's a week after Blackhall, so we'll see who's who's still running. Um, yeah. And well, then I've the got other... a, a short course ticket. So I'm, I'm jumping in the short course again. Troy Lethlean, if you're listening, we had a couple of battles a few years ago, and so I'm back again. 6.9K, Kyle out at Numbar. <laughs> Takes an hour for me to drive there for 6.9K. It's a long way. But it's a good course. It's, it's it, is a good it's, course. it's it is a good course as well. Yeah. Um, now... Have you mentioned? Are you were you ever contemplating doing Blackhall the fifty? Was that ever on your radar? Uh, it is, and I am. So I just Sorry. haven't told so this anyone. Is, uh, I've just well, kept it quiet. So yes, I'm, I'm in Blackhall because... fifty, and it's I'm excited by it. You know what happened with the Guzzler? I wasn't excited, but I'm this time. You know, I've done some runs recently, and I'm just like. All right, I'm excited. I'm starting to feel it now. I really am. I booked the accommodation. The so, yes, reason I, even I told feel you. like I, I just I knew this. Well, yeah. I got inside goss from this, so I don't know if. You, well, so I saw Brody Clark during the week. I don't know <laughs> if Brody knows because we were having a oh, chat yeah, about yeah. it, and I was talking to yeah. Brody about it and said after watching Coastal High that I was like, oh, I'm really keen to run Blackhall, maybe doing the fifty. And I was like, interesting. Yeah. And then Brody said, he's like, you and Tom should do the 50 and have a battle where one of us gets a head start and then we've got a Swiss pick a set amount of minutes head start like we would if we we're doing a handicap race and get it. And he yep. said, he asked the question, what head start am I going to give you at the Black Hole 50? He said 50 minutes. And I said, that's way too yeah, much. Yeah, I'd take that. No, I was going to say a minute, a kilometre. Absolutely, Kyle. Absolutely, A minute, a kilometre. Definitely. Come on, we're, we're two different fields here when it comes to running. Fifty minutes, <laughs> absolutely. Fifty minutes, definitely. Definitely. Well, well uh, yeah. Okay, I'm I'm happy with that, Brody. I'm taking that as official. Um, fifty minute head start. Jeez, if I if I have a good day, Kyle, you're in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to have an absolute. Well, I don't even know if I'm doing it. I've got no entry. I think it's sold out. But anyway, we will see what happens yep. over the next few weeks. Who knows? Who knows with that? Um, yes, yeah, so I had, kept that. A, I'd kept that a bit yeah. quiet because I just. Well, anyway, I had now everyone knows. So apologies for that. Yeah, yeah that's all right. I'd. Um, I was as I said. I was waiting just to see how I'd done a couple of road runs recently that are. You know, 25, 28, 30K on the road and was really enjoyed those. Had a good weekend last weekend at the, you know, Coastal when I ran through there. Had a great run on yesterday with the with the boys. So I was like, you know what? I am actually excited about this. Book the accommodation. I was like, yep, yeah, this is, this is, I'm, I've got four weeks, five weeks, I think it is now. So I figure I can get in three more good long runs. I've got school holidays coming up, which means I can get up to um, Binnaburra and do some single trails through there to get a bit of, you know, a bit of running in what might similar be similar to Blackall. So, Brody, thank you for the 50 minutes. I'll take that 100%. Beautiful. I will argue that. But anyway, that's all right. I'll just leave that one. Um, we did have another question, probably a more serious one than Brody and Jack's not-so-serious ones. Um, yeah. So, Bodie's asked us, how often do you use gels or chews during an ultra trail run? So, how often are you eating? Do you have a set for you, Tom? Do you have a set interval or time that you will go when you're eating? Um, yes. I mean, again, depending on the actual climate that I'm racing in, I've, I was just talking to Teresa this morning about, I think black oil for me will be a bit more liquid than UTA was. So, uh, like at UTA for gel wise, I was taking them 
once every 40 minutes to an hour, but I was taking the spring gels, the speed nut, which is 270 calories. So I could go once an hour there and be fine. But I think when I've done marathons, I've hit once every half an hour, once every 35 minutes. So um, I guess the big learning curve that I took when I came to trail racing was forget taking them every distance and just go purely on time, have that. I mean, you've, you've taught me a phenomenal amount in terms of nutrition is everything, absolutely everything. And practicing it every single time that you go for a long run is absolutely key. And I think I mentioned when I did after UTA this year, my nutrition was the greatest success that I've ever had, you know. Um, so, yeah, I do gels and depending on what they are and how many calories there are in them and how hot it is. Um, and I always think you've got to conduct experiments on yourself in training and you'll, you'll, you'll figure it out. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, so I've generally like my normal rule, same as you, obviously, it depends how hot, mine's more how hard I'm going um, is how often I'll yep. eat. Obviously, if it's really hot, that's going to change how much fluid versus versus solids. But if I'm in a longer race, I'll still try and have something, a gel every half an hour or the equivalent of a gel every half an hour. Yep. If I'm kind of running harder, I'll try and get that down to maybe 25 minutes per gel. Um, yep. and I've recently started using more powdered form for calories and I've done a few runs where I've actually upped that a little bit just to push how many calories I can actually stomach in an hour if I'm running at a reasonable pace. And I've had a couple of runs, which is almost the equivalent of having a gel every kind of closer to 20 minutes. Um, but again, yeah. that's if you can find something that again, your body's going to agree with and you can actually get down that doesn't go the opposite way. So it depends for, for me, it's generally how hard I'm going determines how often Often I'm going to eat. If it's slower, it's about half an hour. And if it's if it's longer, but it depends how many calories you're getting in, obviously. Um, and again, like you said, Tom, you've got to practice. You've got to practice it. And have you have you experimented around with different calories for different gels? Because that's that's I guess where I can I found I can push the time out closer to 50 minutes because I'm having a gel that has a higher number of calories in it, like that the the um the spring gel, which is the speed up, which has got 270 in it. So. If, if I was taking one that only had 100 you know, calories in it, I'd be yeah. down to half an hour, like you said. But have, yeah. have you experimented with different um, energy forms? So, so I reckon I find with the powdered forms and the liquid calories, I've been able to get down a whole lot more calories in an hour than I would otherwise. I've had hours where I've gone up yep. towards 300 calories in the hour, um, and that's okay in liquid form, but I, I probably wouldn't go i've tried occasionally to go up to a gel every 20 minutes and i just i i find that i just don't want to have another one that quickly mm. um which i just if i force myself i could but no i couldn't do it for a long period of time so i tend to like the liquid calories if i'm going to go harder and try to get more down but again that's i've experimented with that stuff for years to work out how much i can have at what intensities and, and what i need yep. um and as everyone knows of my last two hours of kokoda got it completely wrong and had zero so it doesn't go well all the time and we'll always learn learn more from that but again it's it's a hard one to answer because everyone's individual depends how many calories you're getting in with that as well but i think the big thing is have a set time like that's the big thing forget about what it is yeah have a set time where you're gonna eat that's the biggest thing early on when people go well i'm not hungry i don't want to eat it's like well if you don't eat in that first hour hour and a half when you're not that hungry you're gonna pay for it at the back end so regardless of what you're eating have a time that Mm. you are gonna eat and just on that, before we leave that, um, I've started to have one literally on the start line because I often find that, you know, if you, if, particularly if it's a race, on it, maybe I'm not on training because on training you're kind of having breakfast just before you go and you're only going 20 minutes to get there. But if you are going to a race, it might be an hour and a half from when you've had breakfast before you get to the actual race start line. Uh, and do you have one on the start line? 
depending on Generally, the length of the race. If I'm, yeah, if it's a longer one, I'm going to have something. I'll probably have something about 15 minutes before I start just to get yep. that time just to settle and kind of start digesting before. So I'll generally go depending what it is. I'd, I'd do that more if I'm doing shorter, harder runs where I'm not as going to take on as much nutrition during the run. Um, I'll yep. always have one about 15, 20 minutes before the run. I'll, I'll have a gel then um, and then whatever I need during the run. But for the longer ones, I'll tend to just have breakfast and then start eating on the go. Yeah. That's just what I'm yep. doing. Um, but, yeah, yep, interesting definitely. topic. Oh, we could talk. We could do a yeah, whole podcast on, on nutrition yeah. and that type of things as well. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we've got other questions, but we'll leave that for now because we don't need to talk about questions for too long. There is an interesting one here that I'll, I'll say, but it's almost one I reckon I kind of want to sit down and have a think about. Emmett asked us, who do we think is the most underrated ultra runner in Australia? I thought that's a great question. Oh. He said he reckons Stephen Wright is, which, again, great answer. Ah. So that's one I'm going to leave you with, and we might come back to that one next episode because I think that's a really yeah, good yeah, question. Yeah. Most underrated ultra runner in Australia. That's one I want to go have a little think about and, and have a look around for. But we'll get back to that one, Emmett, because that's a that's a yeah. cracking question. Yeah. But, yeah, it's good to see people. Absolutely. But, yeah, we'll s- We'll, we'll save some of those questions, yeah, for, for the next episode as well. But, yeah, definitely keep them coming through. But um, what about here, Carl? An hour 20. All right, let's 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 wrap this up. This will almost be a perfect amount of, amount of time for some people's uh, well, lap of Narang. Perfect for a, for a 5.0 goat be, loop. Well, that's, we're a bit quick for – and maybe if Jack goes out, this could be Jack's <laughs> goat loop 5.0 podcast. Yeah. We've got another six minutes yeah. to go. We can, we can do it. <laughs> so what's what's coming up then in the next uh, in the next fortnight? So the big one uh, now that you've told me about the Queensland titles. So three mm-hmm. fifty p.m. Uh, next Saturday, you're in there. Well, that's for the B race anyway. I'm hoping I'm in the B race. Yep. The A race is after that. Four, I wonder four, if I've got enough data to film that completely from the from the grandstand. That'd oh. be good, wouldn't it? Maybe just the last oh. couple of laps. <laughs> I don't know about that. Then we can really pull it apart, that. can't we? <laughs> we can really pull that race apart. So what else we got coming up? So the, the Great North Run you said is happening overseas, which I guess people can catch yep. the highlights on YouTube and things when that comes up. Um, Scenic Rim Ultra is in yes. two weeks. That's right. Um, so that should be great. So various, I've, I've a few discussions with people that I run with, still deciding on the event distance, but there's quite a few good runners in that one. So the Butter Twenty Four, that's the, uh, the 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 round and round around the track event that seems to get a certain caliber of runner and a certain caliber of personality. Out to that one, um, I imagine. I think there's a is that the one where they do 48 hours as well. I think it is. But there's all so. kinds of different distances up at Nudgee Track. I think uh, yeah. the QT Classic, which is a 1500 meter event that they run every single year, which I guess the best of Queensland's local runners get up to. Uh, the Twilight Run, which is the in-training Twilight Run, which is out at Wynnum. Uh, I've done that a couple of times a few years ago, Kyle. And the hardest thing about that is it's an afternoon race down at Wynnum, and you can cop an absolute beastly of a headwind you're running with fun you're running a you're running a 10k race 5k with the wind behind you and you think geez i'm cruising i'm absolutely flying and then you turn the cone and you come back and you're like all right that's the reason why i'm now running into a brick wall um but yeah there's there's the episode kyle massive one lots of to chat is. about um we've also got the robin McEwen to... trail race in narang next weekend oh yeah I believe it's yep. the reverse of the 2.0 plus a little bit of single trail is one of the races. So you can't do oh, that. That's that's... I, don't, I don't know about that. We might have to put a put a word in there to that race and get them to flip that around because that's you can't do that. That's terrible. Absolutely terrible. We I don't talk if... about those laps. I wonder if they're still going to be back burning in there because I went in on Friday morning, did a double, and um, I went in obviously yesterday, and it's it's quite thick the smoke in certain parts if it's blowing the wrong yeah. direction. So um, do you know what number I'm up to, Kyle? Before we leave. For goat loops. You're up to 98, aren't you? 98? 99. Oh, 99. 99. 99. When's the 100 happening? Have you planned it? 
Well, um, I was going to go out today, but that didn't eventuate. So it's now those those guys who run a Wednesday with me. It's it's happening. Wednesday is the day. The Wednesday go. afternoon run for the hundredth goat loop. It'll be on there. So exciting. What to do then? You got to, You got to keep chipping away. Once you get to a mark like that, you can't just. Yeah, you know, leave it. Well, you pretty much caught me because I'm only at 101, so you're probably going to catch me this one. <laughs> I've done nothing since my 100th one. I'm at 101. <laughs> Call me. Beautiful. All right, so Kyle, so it's a, it's a taperish kind of week for you of some sorts, and then, uh, yeah, stop everything that you're doing next weekend, folks. 3.50 p.m. Jeez, it'd be good. if tell you what, I'm going to have a look at my calendar. If I can get up there and live feed this, that would be a great moment in the podcast. <laughs> oh, God. Headband, no doubt. Bring well, the headband well, out so we can, that's, so we that's can, we can track you on the race. White socks, yep. headband, all the stops, every every placebo I can get to run fast. Yeah, absolutely. All right, mate, that's episode 47. Um, have a great uh, fortnight, everyone. And yeah. uh, get out there for a 5.0. As Kyle said, you've got to do a 5.0 to go into that, that draw at the moment. There's 15 people in the, in the draw. But, yeah, thanks See again it. for listening, everyone. See you, everyone, in a couple of weeks. Beautiful. Cheers, mate. See you. See you, mate.